And let's repent and live that way. Amen? Okay, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We are in the second of maybe two, but probably three sermons. Do not be anxious about your temporal provision. Please stand and I will read verses 22 through 34 of Luke 12. And he said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You may be seated. Do not be anxious about your life, food or clothing. Verse 29, do not seek after what you will eat or drink. Verse 32, fear not about temporal treasures. It is tempting for us, I think, to take lightly these clear commands and warnings of Jesus. I think it's very tempting. We want to give ourselves a pass. We want to justify our focus on temporal provision. We actually want to kind of just pass over how much time we actually spend worrying about our temporal provision. The actual amount of time we spent thinking about, worrying about our temporal provision tomorrow or 35 years from now. I think we, want to, we kind of want to take a pass and not think about that. Uh, there was a quote I read from George Mueller. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of faith is the end of anxiety. Pretty good quote. Because anxiety and faith can't go together. They just, they just don't. So remember, Jesus has tens of thousands of people following him. He's, he's traveled back into Judea on his way to Calvary. We're in the last few months of his life. Uh, he's He's just pronounced woes on some Pharisees for their, their ritualistic, worse-based religion. He's, he's pronounced woes on the scribes for, for making up these man-made laws and then judging uh, judgments against God's prophets, basically putting them to death because they didn't believe what they were telling them. He's just warned the disciples about, about the, the leaven of hypocrisy. 
He's, he's talking to these tens of thousands of people about, about spiritual things. He's talking about fearing God and, and, and uh, proclaiming Jesus Christ and, and being led by the Spirit. He's talking about spiritual things, remember? So we are. And he, in the middle of talking to these tens of thousands of people and at times turning to disciples, there's this there's a materialist, this, this temporal-focused man that interrupts him in the middle of talking about these things spiritual and says, hey, tell my brother to give me my inheritance. He, he says, I'm, all, your, all your talk, you know, you're this great teacher. What I'm used to out of my teachers is settle my temporal problem. Get me my money. And then Jesus takes that opportunity to tell a parable about the rich fool who had so much increase didn't know what to do with so much increase. He had to build bigger barns. And then once he built the bigger barns, his 40K was chock full. He was good. He said, okay, now I'll just live out the rest of my life with all these things I've stored up. And he's, his life is required of him that night. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? You... These things that you've prepared in this parable, that God says, fool, that stuff's not going to do you any good. All this wealth you've amassed, you're going to die tonight. Your soul's going to be required of you. Then who's going to get them? Not you. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. He told the parable to warn people, this is what it looks like, and that's, that's, that's what it looks like to be a fool. To not be rich toward God. And then he turns to his disciples. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life and what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Don't be like the rich fool in the parable. Don't be like that, that materialist young man or man who shouted out and said, Get me my money. Do not be anxious about your temporal provision. Don't worry about what you'll eat or about what you'll put on. Do not be anxious. Now, the natural response would have been, hey, what, what? Food and clothing, they're of the utmost importance. God designed us to need food and to need shelter. And that's how God designed us. We need these things. And we certainly have to, to be careful to provide for all our physical well-being would be a natural response. Jesus says, for, here's why you shouldn't be anxious about your life, what you eat, what your body, what you put on. For, because... Life is more than food. Life is far more than food. And the body, more than clothing. Your life is much more than food. Your body is much more than clothes. And now he's going to use a couple of word pictures to explain and, and tell them more about what he's just told them. Consider the ravens. So first he deals with food. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Remember, the ravens were plentiful. There was lots of ravens, and, and they didn't really care for their young very well or very long. Kind of kicked their young. Lots of ravens were, were in need of food. And so these birds, they, they don't plant seeds. They don't harvest crops. And yet, God feeds them. God provides for them. And, and, and of how much more value are you than the birds? Remember, he's talking to his disciples. So 
generally human beings, specifically you all, his disciples, you all, those who are going to trust in him, you all who believe in God, how much more valuable are you than ravens? These ravens do nothing to produce their food and they don't store it and yet they get fed. Do you not think God will feed you the same way? And then he says, this rhetorical question, what does your worry accomplish? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? It's an obvious rhetorical question. Who in here can add an hour to their span of life by worrying, by doing anything? No one. So, he says, if then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? If you cannot add one hour to your life, if you miss a meal, you're not going to die today or tomorrow. You cannot add one hour to your life. So if, you, if one meal or, or you, can't, you cannot do anything to change, why are you so worried about your food today or in the future? All your worry will accomplish nothing. It accomplishes nothing. No one can add time to his life. God has ordained the number of days for every person. You can't add an hour to your life. Why are you worried about 30 years of provision? And now he's going to give a, a word picture about it's a waste of time to worry. And now he's going to go back and talk about clothing. This is where we left off last week. Consider the lilies. Consider. Katanoeo. Give careful consideration. Consider closely. Notice. Discover through direct observation. Now again, in Israel, there's lots of these wildflowers. Lots of wildflowers that sprout up. We have them around here, but even more there. We actually had some wildflowers planted in our, our yard that were going to come up every year, but my son thought they were weeds and he mowed them all down. So it's a funny story. We'll never get to see them. But the grass could be burned up, couldn't it? So, so they had these beautiful, these beautiful wildflowers that come up all throughout Israel. So again, these are a word picture that his audience would understand well. He said, consider those lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. They don't plant seed. They don't plant themselves. They don't churn up the ground. They don't toil to grow up. They don't toil to do anything. They don't spin. They don't, they don't take material and make themselves any clothing. They do nothing, yet even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. These lilies don't grow fabric, they don't sew it together, and, and, and without any effort of their own, they're more beautiful than King Solomon was ever dressed. King Solomon in all of his royal garb. Remember the wealthiest man that ever lived, had, had the best of Armani and Gucci and whatever else. He had it all, and he was never arrayed in his wonderful purple clothing. He was never arrayed like these beautiful wildflowers. He wasn't that See how pretty those wildflowers are? You know how pretty they are? Much, much more splendorous than King Solomon's clothes. And these, these breathtaking 
wildflowers that are so beautiful to look at. God so clothes the grass. He makes them look wonderful. Which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Here's what happens to those beautiful flowers that do nothing to be so beautiful. For you that are worrying about having clothing to cover you, how beautiful you're going to look. They have nothing. They do nothing. Look how beautiful they are. You know what ends up happening to them? They die. They're harvested. The grass is cut and taken and it's thrown into an oven. So how they controlled temperature in their oven wasn't with a little dial to 350 bake or convection bake 425. It was throw more grass in to get the fire hot. So what, would, what the end of these beautiful wildflowers that did nothing to look so beautiful, their end was burning in an oven. Those that worried nothing about how they looked. How much more will he clothe you? How much more will he clothe you? Your lives, disciples, brothers and sisters, aren't so short. Your lives are not so short. Your lives will go on forever and ever. The clothes that God clothes His people in, that we can trust Him for, far greater than temporal provision, the clothes He will clothe us in is the garments of salvation that will last forever. You're worried about some temporary clothing, trying to make sure you're arrayed like these lilies, that you're just going to be burnt up, they're going, to, they're going to die and be burnt up, you, your clothing that's going to be provided is something much greater. You're worried about what you're going to wear now. You should be thinking about what you're going to wear eternally. The now is easy. Literally, how many people do you look around and see that don't have clothes? I didn't say nice clothes. I mean... It's amazing. You see homeless people that have enough clothes to stay warm in the winter. Eternity is forever, and that's the clothing you should be concerning yourself with. Isaiah 61.10 I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. These are the clothes we should desire and be focused on. These are what we should be thinking about. Disciples, we'll get to this a little bit. Obviously, they're worried about this. He's rebuking them. He's reproving them. They've always got concerns about this. You shouldn't be worried about what you're going to wear on this body. The body's far more than clothing. You ought to be worried about, concerned about, thinking about what clothes you'll wear in eternity. Not the quality or the look of what you're wearing today. It doesn't matter if your shoes match your sweater. Don't spend a lot of time on it. Don't worry about that so much. Zechariah 
we see, we see this picture of Joshua, the, the high priest, representing the people, standing before God with Satan, his accuser. Zechariah 3, 4, And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. This is a picture of how God removes the sins of his people, represented by the high priest Joshua, and clothes them with pure clothes. These lilies that are just going to burn up, these wildflowers, God clothes them. How much more will he clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. Revelation 7, 9. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. With palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This, these are the clothes we should be focused on, our eternal garments. The ones we, we wash in the blood of the Lamb. Really, it's applicable. Put it in my own life. It's in your life. How much time do we spend worried about what we're going to wear? Actually, as compared to what we're going to wear in glory. Revelation 19.8. It's the, the voice of the multitude the, the, in the heavens. It's the bride of Christ who's made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, linen bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. The bride of Christ will be clothed in fine linen, linen, bright and pure, which is what? Their righteous deeds. We're going to get to that in a little bit, but quit worrying about what you're going to wear today. Worry about what you're going to wear in, wear in, in, in glory. And the, the, the linen, the pure and bright linen, that's the, that's the righteous deeds of the saints. Our eternal wardrobe, not caring about temporal provision. Don't worry about food. Don't worry about clothes. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. Yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life, span of life? If then you are not able to do a smaller thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies. That's the food part. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Anxiety is the end of faith. Faith is the beginning of the end of anxiety. Aligapistas, of little faith pertaining to possessing comparatively little faith or trust. This is a rebuke that he's leveling at his disciples. He knew they had lots of concerns about God's faithfulness to provide for them. 
Remember, they, they traveled light. They didn't have extra clothes. They had just enough to eat. They had no big feasts. And they, they were concerned about how, how's God? Is God, is God going to take care of us? Jesus rebuked these disciples about their oligopistas, their little faith, multiple times before this, while they were in Galilee. We see it in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew 6, 30, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Same rebuke he gives them now. He had given them some 18 months earlier when they were in Galilee having a similar discussion. Still worried about it here in Judea, apparently. And in the boat, when they're crossing the Sea of Galilee, Jesus had told them they were going to get to the other side. And then he went and laid down and slept. So the disciples are on the boat. They're going across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus said, we're going to get to the other side. He's now sleeping. And now a big storm comes. Huge storm comes. Ten foot high waves, tossing the boat all over. And they're afraid. And they wake him up afraid. Matthew 8, 26. He said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. They didn't trust Christ would get them safely to the other side. They didn't trust God would get them there. They were worried. Oh, you have little faith. Why are you anxious about that? Then, then in Matthew 14, Jesus walks on water in the middle of a storm. And, and Peter sees him walking on water. And, and Peter says, who is that? And he says, it's me. And I'm going to come. He says, come to me. Jesus says, come to me, Peter. And Peter gets out and starts walking and takes a step or two and then sinks. Matthew 14, 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter was told by Jesus, God himself, showing them all these miracles this whole time, says, hey, come to me on the water. Peter gets out, starts to walk, looks around and sees the storm, doesn't focus on Jesus, doesn't believe he can do it, and starts to sink. And Jesus goes and grabs him and, and rebukes him for his little faith. Matthew 16. They get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. At one time they travel across and, and the disciples see that they're out of food. But Jesus, aware of this, said, Oh, you little of faith, Oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? God had provided food for them all along their journey. They had, they had not carried anything with them, but God kept providing. Oh, you of little faith. For, for us that might be anxious about what we might eat or what we might wear, our temporal provision... Brothers and sisters, can we not think of all the way God's been faithful? In provision for sure, but in bigger ways than that. Oh, you have little faith. Why are you anxious about what you'll eat or what you'll wear? When we worry about our temporal provision, that's exactly what we're doing. said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, 
nor about your body, what you'll put on. Life is more than food and the body more than clothing. The ravens, they neither sow nor reap, no storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And then he says, And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. Do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. Do not seek, zeteo, to seek after, to seek for, aim at, strive after. This, this word, do not seek, this word zeteo is in Matthew 13, 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Zeteo. What is a merchant out there looking for? He's looking for fine pearls. That's what he does with his life. And who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. This was his life work. He sought after this, strove after, strived after this pearl in Luke 15, 8. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently? Zeteo, until she finds it. Ten percent of all of her net worth is lost. She's going to seek after it. Strive for it. It's not just some minor thing. He's saying, do not seek. God's people, do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, nor be worried. Worried. Metarizomai. To be anxious about, to be concerned about, to be very concerned about, with the implication of placing too much value upon something. Do not strive after and place too much value on what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Do not give a lot of attention to, to what you're going to do for your temporal provisions. Why not? Don't be like the pagans. Don't be like the pagans. For... Because, that word we looked at last week, all the nations, ta-ethni, ta-ethni, it means heathen, pagan, Gentiles, foreign nations not worshiping the true God. He says, disciples, be, you should not seek after these things. You should not strive after what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Don't give it so much weight. Because all of the Gentiles, all of the pagans, all of the heathens, that's what they do. All the nations of the world seek after. Here's the word zeteo, but it's epizeteo. Epi, it gives it emphasis. It means crave after. Clamor after. Do not crave after. Clamor after what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Don't crave and clamor after your templar provisions because that's what pagans do. That's what unbelievers do. That's what people who have no hope in who God is do. 
Don't do that. All those who are without God, this is their focus. Their temporal provision. Their building of barns and storehouses. What and how they're going to eat. That's all they have to worry themselves with. What else do they have? They trust in themselves to, to get what they need or greed for. Don't do that, disciples. That's what heathens do. You're just like them if you seek after and worry about your temporal provision. I'm telling you, for anyone who doesn't know God, of course I'm going to worry about my temporal provision. Of course I'm going to care about what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to wear. Of course I'm going to financial plan and build wealth and take care of me because nobody else will. Of course I'm going to do that. That's what the pagans do. Christians don't live like pagans. 1 Thessalonians 4, 5, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles, Ethne, who do not know God. These unbelievers, these heathens, these pagans, they seek after, they crave, they clamor for food and clothes. It's a big deal to them what they will eat and how they will dress. They're very worried about will they have enough. He's, he's, he's making this comparison to say, don't do it, here's why. That's what pagans do. That's what heathens do. That's who don't worship God. That's what they do. Don't be like those who don't worship God. You're not like them. <laughs> okay? For all the nations of the world seek after these things. All these pagans, all these who don't know God, this is what they do. They crave, they seek for, they clamor for their temporal provision and the word day and a marker of addition something implies a contrast or could be translated but a marker of contrast so all the nations of the world seek after these things but your father knows that you need them who's their father the devil does he care what they need no he only will give them whatever they want if they'll worship him but he doesn't have any care for their, doesn't care what they need. But your father, your father, disciples, your father, brothers and sisters, your father knows that you need food and clothing. He knows that you need temporal provision. Our father knows what we need, and he promised to care for us perfectly. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. We can trust in his provision. Sophia knows that she will have food and clothing. You know that, don't you? Do you worry about that? Who's going to provide that for you? Me. 
She can trust that her father's going to provide. How much greater can my trust be in my father compared to me? Emmeline knows right now that Brad and Greta, that Brad will provide for her. She knows it at her age now. She doesn't worry about food and clothing or where it's going to come from till we teach her to. How much more, Brad, can you trust your Father in heaven to provide for you? The Cunninghams can trust their Father to provide for them. They don't have to worry about it or be anxious about it. Stephanie and Maddie, and by extension, the other children, they, they can trust. Stephanie and Maddie can trust their father will care for their needs. Don't be like the pagans. It's why, it's why there's no money grab going to happen with what's happened in the Peterson's life. God knows that you need them. So don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll wear. Don't, don't seek after your temporal provision. That's what pagans do. And your Father knows what you need. And He has promised to care for you. Oh, you of little faith. So instead of worrying, seeking after what we'll eat or what we'll drink or what we'll wear, instead of that, instead of worrying about temporal provisions like the pagans do, knowing that our Father knows that we need them, instead then, seek His kingdom and these things will be added to you. Instead of that, seek God's rule. He will sustain you. Instead, seek his kingdom, basilii, reign as a king, sovereign, a monarch, or an area ruled by a king. Seek God's reign. Seek God's rule. Seek God's commands. Seek God's ways, his laws. And when, he had, when he told the same thing to these disciples, he's telling us today, back in Matthew, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Diakosune, integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. Listen, instead of craving, seeking after, and worrying about your temporal provision, instead of that, like all the pagans do, you, instead of that, you seek first his rule, his reign, virtuous living, integrous living, thinking, acting, and feeling right. Seek after that. Seek God's plan for how you're to think and act. Strive for holiness without 
which no one will see God. Seek His kingdom. Seek His righteousness. Seek God's rule in your life. Seek to live pure, integrous, correct thinking, feeling, and acting lives. Do that instead. Instead of all that time you spend craving after the things of the world. Instead of all that time you spend worrying about it. Instead of that, seek God's rule and reign in your life. Live righteously. Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink or no be worried for all the nations of the world seek after these things. Your Father knows you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom and these things will be added to seek His kingdom, His righteousness, and He will provide. Listen, it is not if you don't, then He won't. Hear me on this. It is not, brothers and sisters, if you don't seek His kingdom and His righteousness, then He won't provide. That is not true. It is because He will provide, you can seek His righteousness and His kingdom. Don't get that backwards. His provision for you is not based upon how much you seek righteousness. He's going to provide for His people for as long as He wants us here. Knowing that, I don't have to worry about that. Now I am freed up and can go seek His kingdom and His righteousness. This is not works-based teaching by Jesus. It's a command based on an, uh, 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 an indicative. God will provide. You go seek righteousness and His kingdom. It is not if you don't, then He won't. Rather, it is because He will, then you can and must. Disciples, oh, you have little faith. You don't have to worry about that. God knows what you need. He's your Father. He knows what you need. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, and for those who fear him have no lack. The young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Psalm 37, 1. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Pagans and heathens they're going to fade like the grass and be burned up. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourselves in the Lord. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. He will give you the desires of your heart. He doesn't give what you want. He gives you what you will want. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as a noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourselves over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off. Those pagans that worry about what they're going to eat and what they're going to wear, those that don't know God, that's all they have to do is to worry about that and 
go after those things, they'll be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. <laughs> Listen, we don't have to worry. We're going to inherit something far greater than any of this temporal provision. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at this place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in, the, in abundant peace. God is going to provide for your temporal needs. But more importantly, he has pro provided for your eternal needs. Seek first his kingdom. Down in verse 25, David says this in Psalm 37. I have been young and now I'm old. It have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He's going to provide for your temporal needs, Christians. So seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and he's going to provide. He's going to provide, so do that. Trust him, O you of little faith. Isaiah 33, 15. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, who despises the gain of oppressions, who shakes his hand lest they hold a bribe, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from looking on evil. He will dwell on the heights. His place of defense will be the fortresses of rocks. His bread will be given him. His water will be sure. God is going to provide for our temporal needs, our bread and water. But more importantly, he has provided the bread of life and the living water of Jesus Christ. We don't need to worry. We don't need to worry about what we'll eat or what we'll wear. That's what the pagans do. Seek God's rule and reign. Recognize Jesus as your Lord. Romans 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Seek first his kingdom, his lordship. Look, Jesus is no one savior for whom he is not their Lord. Seek his kingdom. Seek his rule, seek his reign, seek his ways, seek his commands, seek virtue, seek integrity, seek how you're supposed to think, act, and feel based on God's word. Seek these things because God's going to give you the stuff you need until he doesn't because then you're going to go be in glory. What are you worried about? Colossians 3, if you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. What's above? King Jesus, heaven. No more sin. Seek virtuous living. Seek purity. Seek right thinking, right feeling, right acting. God's going to provide so you can focus on heavenly living. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is that like? We've talked about it before. What do the angels do in heaven? They stand at attention ready to do whatever God commands. We stand at attention ready to do whatever God commands. Do not be anxious about your life, what you eat, nor your body, what you put on. For life is more than food. Life is more than food. Consider the ravens. Sow nor reap. Be anxious? How can you add any? You can't add any to your life. Why are you worried about these things? Life is more than clothing. Consider the lilies. 
Don't seek what you're going to eat or drink. That's what the pagans do. Your father knows you need them. Your father, who's for you and loves you. And so instead of worrying, seek the kingdom and these things will be added to you. And then some of the most comforting words Jesus ever spoke. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. All these things I've been hinting at and talking about, he comes right here and says, fear not. The kingdom is your treasure. And we'll look at that next week. Just a little bit of a precursor. Look, this, we're going to get down to the bottom, but in verse 34, what does he say? Where your treasure is, what will be there? That's where your heart will be also. This is a heart issue. This is a heart issue that we need to have our minds transformed. We need to have repentance. We need to think differently. Closing thought, think on these things, beloved. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Luke 12, 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Think on these things. Don't be like the pagans. Can't help myself. I, I, every time I hear Psalm 55 too, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will sustain you. He will never, never, never let the righteous fall. Let the righteous fall. No. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. You see, we get to do that, brothers and sisters. We don't have to worry about what we'll eat or what we'll drink or what we'll wear. God knows we need it. Our Father knows we need it. And He's given us the kingdom. So seek it. Seek Christ's Lordship. Seek righteous living. Because God's going to give you all of these things. Father, again, we thank You for Your Word and the clarity with which You you bring it to us. Father, I pray that we would continue to have our minds renewed. We live in a time, Father, where it is so difficult for us because we have so much. And we are, we are swimming in a world that tells us we must save for the future. We must care for ourselves. Or, or we must trust in the government to give us what we need. Father, I pray that, that we as Christians, we would know that we need not worry. Instead of worrying and, and seeking after our temporal provisions, that we would trust you for those. And we would instead... Seek your kingdom and your righteousness. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.